Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Do the national media hate the Steelers? Or do they? Or who cares? Or why? Why? Why do people talk about stuff like this? Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. It's Steelers versus Jaguars Sunday at 1.02 p.m. in Jacksonville. I'll be flying down there tomorrow to cover that. Looking forward to it, a chance to see the Steelers go 10-0, fully expecting that they'll do that. Also fully expecting that the other side is going to give them more of a game, certainly more of a battle than what most experts are expecting But then, what qualifies as an expert? Who is an expert? Who is an authority? Who constitutes the quote-unquote media? I bring this up entirely because in the past week, we have seen a set of power rankings. I believe they were CBS Sports that had the Steelers at number five in the NFL and had the Ravens ahead of them. I know, right? I saw Chris Sims, the former brief NFL quarterback and and the son of uh, Phil Sims, suggest that Ben Roethlisberger was not one of the top ten current quarterbacks in the NFL. I saw another list. This one was from ESPN, no name attached to it, just a random social media thing that listed the top 10 rookies in the league, and Chase Claypool wasn't among them. And then they had an addendum list that said best of the rest, and he wasn't on that list either. And what that ends up producing is this broader sentiment of why do they hate us? Why do the national media hate us? The only thing I hate in this equation is that anybody takes this crap seriously. I I, I can't put it any more bluntly than that. This stuff means nothing. I am here to peel back the curtain and let you know how this sort of thing comes to fruition. First of all, power rankings. I had to do power rankings at two different points in my life for two different outlets. Can I tell you what a power ranking is? It's nothing. It means nothing. You sit there and you go to the standings online somewhere. You sort them by 
league as opposed to conference or division, and you go, eh, this team over here is a little hot. I'll slide them up a couple. Eh, this one over here, they just had their quarterback get hurt. I'm going to drop them a couple. There's nothing to this. Nothing. Zero. There's nothing at all to this. It's just something to get you to click because it sounds, you know, the word power is in there. It's the power rankings. What does that even mean? What power? Who gave anybody the power to anoint something power? Ah! The other one, the, the quarterbacks list. Okay, let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you concerned yourself with anything that Chris Sims ever said? Or were you even aware of Chris Sims' existence until this little flap this week related to Ben? No. No. The ESPN thing that listed the rookies and left Chase Claypool off, it was an unnamed, unbranded thing that just showed up on their Twitter account. Nobody even took credit or blame for it. It was just this graphic. And it wasn't based on any data or numbers or let's just say that there was some sort of formula for determining who were the hottest or best rookies. That wasn't there either. It was just some arbitrary thing. I'm here to tell you two things about this. One, if you're a Chris Sims or you're someone else at that media level, meaning People kind of maybe possibly will know who you are, but not really. There's a shortcut to getting people to talk about you, and that's to take the Skip Bayless route, which is to say the most ridiculous, preposterous, outrageous thing, and everyone will at least discuss you. They will say the worst possible things about you and your preparation, and in this case, his measly NFL career and how he's nothing compared to his dad and all this other stuff, but they will talk about you. They will remember your name. The next time Chris Sims is involved in something like this, it's going to be, oh, that Chris Sims is at it again. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's a shortcut. A lot of people do this now. What Skip Bayless did, I don't know if he was the pioneer or not, but he was among them. You take some contrarian, absurd position, and you just get people talking. And they're all talking about you being dumb and being wrong and whatever it is, but they're talking about you. You're not nobody anymore. You're at least somebody. The other thing is actually a whole lot simpler. The ESPN thing with Claypool they're looking for engagement. When you put out social media, and social media professionals will tell you this, the number one thing they're looking for is not uh, impressions per se, meaning how many eyeballs are looking at it. It's how many people are talking about it. And the way that they track that, and I know that because we have arrangements like this with our own business partners at DK Pittsburgh Sports. They want to see likes, replies, retweets uh, on Facebook, shares. 
They want to see that people are engaging. Comments are the best. Comments and replies. Well, what's the best way to ensure that? Put out a list and leave someone off who is part of either the most prominent team in the NFL or one of on an annual basis. And I'm not just saying that because the Steelers are 9-0. They're a marquee franchise. People talk about the Steelers even when they're bad, same way they talk about the Cowboys even when they're bad. They're a marquee franchise. So the Steelers end up being thrown into these games way more often than other teams do. You know, to me, the most nondescript franchise in the NFL are the Atlanta Falcons. Like, you never think anything good or bad about the Falcons. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I know they made it to the Super Bowl in one year and whatever else. I'm just saying, you don't, you just don't think about the Atlanta Falcons. So there's no one at ESPN that's going, maybe if we left off somebody really prominent from the Falcons, we would get a lot of replies. They won't. So they don't. So they don't bother with it. But they know they're going to get a rise out of Pittsburgh because we care about our football team here. We care about the individual players on our football team here. And if you do something or say something to badmouth them or to knock them, we will come after you. It's an unfortunate reflex that we cannot resist. I wish me, I wish that we could because I know what these people are doing to game you. But it works. It works. Look, me, I'm the dummy who just spent the whole segment on this, right? It works. It works. I fell for it. I actually mentioned Chris Sims' name. I mentioned ESPN. I mentioned CBS Sports. All three of those things just got themselves whatever tiny infinitesimal amount of publicity came from being on the first segment of this podcast. But it works. It works. And we're all so dumb that we fall for it. When we come back, I'm going to try to be a little bit smarter and talk about actual football. Welcome back. The Steelers are apparently planning, I'm going to try to say this with a straight face, but the Steelers are apparently planning to reintroduce the fullback to the offense Sunday in Jacksonville. Seeing is believing. Oh, my. Randy Feetner said so yesterday himself in his weekly call with us. He was discussing the state of the running game, which, of course, is a sorry state. And Derek Watt came up. And Derek Watt, for anybody who's understandably forgotten him, was the $3.5 million fullback that Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin signed this past summer to the suspicion of some, meaning that it would be to curry favor with T.J. Watt and have him be more likely to sign a contract for all eternity if his brother's already here. But, you know, you'd also think that they were going to use him. He's been banged up, meaning Derek Watt. He's had a hamstring issue for a while. He also didn't enter training camp in great health either. Apparently, both of those things are behind him. He's a full participant in practice. And, uh, yeah, according to Randy, he's going to play. Derek hadn't been 
I guess, available enough to really get into that situation. You know, mistake two, uh, two and a half years ago, I know it was the, uh, the 18 season, uh, we went in and we wanted to play out of what we call our tens package. Well, we were going to get in tens. We were going to be run heavy, but have ability to throw the football and look for chunks. Um, we were going to play with bigger people out of rest the smaller people. So when they have to go out on the field, they're a little bit of rest time and bam, now they're hitting it. Um, and we felt like we were successful in that package. Um, it didn't materialize last year because Rosie was always hurt and uh, went on an IR. Uh, when we went out and got Derek, we were all excited about it. Then COVID comes, we get no off season and Derek had some off season uh, cleanup things. And so he had a limited amount of camp. Um, that probably put him behind the eight ball a little bit, maybe a little bit with us, uh, but he's ahead of it now. And it's time to figure out how to use them the best. What can we get out of it? And um, it's gotta be a part of our football moving forward because it, it can help. Uh, if, if nothing else, it will help in potentially the run game. It'll help in the play action game. There you have it. Jacksonville coaching staff. The Steelers apparently are going to use Derek Watt as a fullback to get their running game going against your Jaguars on Sunday afternoon. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. These are good people who represent good people like you who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been AV rated, which is the highest rating a law firm can receive for legal ability and ethics. They've also been designated super lawyers. That's with a capital S and a capital L. It's an official thing for over 15 years. That in the legal industry is a rare combination. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. You can learn more about them at LGKG.com. Or give them a call, 888-842-5454, and tell my good friend Larry Kelly that we sent you to him from DK Pittsburgh Sports. I have some use for a fullback in this offense. I really do. I'm not here to knock using a fullback. The offensive line hasn't been able to run block. I'm still not 100% sure why. I'm not ready to play expert on it. I'm also not ready to throw away guys who've had very, very good careers in David DeCastro, Marquise Pouncey, Alejandro Villanueva. In particular, Pouncey, who's a guy who's going to have a crack at the Hall of Fame. I'm not here to dump on them or to give up on them. And if there's a fullback in the offense who can help hit that hole, knock over one more body, and clear some room for presumably James Conner, since Mike Tomlin has restated his confidence in Conner, and that he's going to remain the quote-unquote bell cow. I'm okay with it. I, I don't have a problem with it. Here's the part, if it sounds like I'm about to say, the problem that I do have with it, that, that's where I'm headed here. 
The part that I don't like is I can't take it seriously. I can't take anything about a fullback in the Steelers' offense seriously. If they go out Sunday and line up 44 in front of the running back and he blows some holes into the Jaguars' line. By the way, Jacksonville does not stink at run defense. They were actually pretty good at it. So it's a, it's a, it's a fair test. But if that happens and the Steelers win the game and they put up decent yardage, it doesn't matter. They'll never, ever, 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 ever stick with this. It's not in the head coach's DNA. It's not in the coordinator's DNA. And you had better believe it's not what the quarterback wants. It's work enough to get Ben Roethlisberger to buy into even just a routine running game, a running game as a distraction to help the passing game. Never mind going Franco and Rocky on the opposition. It will be a one-game gimmick, and it won't solve anything. I'm not going to criticize before the fact. I'm going to hold off here, but I want you to know this much in advance. They're not going to stick with this. If they go out Sunday and do well with this, it won't change a thing. It won't change a thing. What needs to happen Sunday, and this is why I don't want to jump the gun here, what needs to happen Sunday, and still can since, you know, it's not yet Sunday, they need to make changes in their schemes, in their approach, meaning running forward, maybe even getting other people involved. Now, you can't get Kevin Dotson out there for David DeCastro this week, which has been the thing I've been talking about, is getting Kevin Dotson back on the field. Dotson is in COVID protocol, and Mike Tomlin has forever had a policy that rookies who don't practice aren't going to play on Sunday. Uh, That ship's already sailed. But I would like to see some different approaches beyond just, hey, coach complained, everybody, so let's use the fullback this week, because that's not an answer. It's not an answer. By putting the fullback on the field, you're taking who off? Chase Claypool? James Washington for sure. Uh, A tight end? Are you taking Eric Ebron off? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to see that on Sunday. Somebody who has made an impact on this offense in the passing game is going to be standing and watching from the sideline. That is not sustainable. It is not a solution. I like absolutely nothing about it, even if it gets results. When we come back, something related to the running game, maybe more pertinent. At Point Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Welcome back. The second segment of today's Daily Shot was all about the running game, and yet I pretty much avoided any discussion of the actual running back. That 
as I did mention, is going to be James Conner. Maybe it shouldn't be. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by our friends at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. Their mission is feeding people in need and eliminating hunger in our region. I really shouldn't have to say anything more about them than that, especially at a time like this. The number of people who don't know where their next meal is coming from in our region is unsettling in the best of times. Never mind in a pandemic that's now at an all-time peak. Visit their website, growsharethrive.org. That's what it's called. I'm going to give it to you one more time. Three words, no punctuation. Growsharethrive.org. For a limited time, every $10 you give is matched by $5 from another benefactor. That's, that's a pretty good punch for your donation. Anthony McFarland was back at practice for the Steelers yesterday. He'd been listed as being out with an illness, which, of course, you know, in this day and age has everyone thinking, oh, no, COVID. Uh, Apparently that wasn't the case. Apparently. You also never know. He's back. And I'd like to see him play. Can Can I just be that guy who covets the rookie, the unknown, or, or does that, does that make me too much of a commoner? You know, because we always love the player who we don't see enough of, or don't know enough of, because in our heads, that player is still perfect. They're untainted. Um, when Jalen Samuels put together 230 all purpose yards against the Patriots, we loved him. Why? Because we'd never known what he actually was. You know what I mean? We found out a lot later that it was just because New England had absolutely no run defense. But in the moment, we loved him. Uh, I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that with a lot of players. I tell myself not to be. I tell myself to put on my serious sports writer's hat and to just, you know, stick with what you know and and always be skeptical and whatever else here. But But I'm guilty of it. When I see Anthony McFarland hit holes the way that he does. When I see his film from Maryland when he ran for 400 bazillion yards against Ohio State, every play he broke, every bit of daylight he found ended up in six points. I'm mesmerized. I want to see this individual run. I'm not sure what Benny Snell did other than a couple of early fumbles to earn his way out of Mike Tomlin's trust, but there's no question that he has. Snell's greatest crime within the Steelers' world is that he's too similar to Connor, and I can buy that. His second greatest crime, I think, is that of late, when he's been put in goal line and short yardage situations, he hasn't converted. His third greatest crime, as long as I'm ranking them, probably were those fumbles. But he's not making much of an impact. And you know what I think? You know what I think? I think McFarland has been lumped in with Snell. 
I really do. I think that because Snell has disappointed the coaching staff, that they've been of the mind that, wow, it's Connor or bust for us. And it isn't. It isn't. It never has been. If you saw the training camp sessions that I saw at Heinz Field this summer, McFarland was magic. He was doing everything. He was doing things out there that Connor couldn't dream of. Cuts, explosiveness, uh, vision, the ability to find the hole and then to hit it and hit it like you mean it and not back off. Or how about getting around the edge? All these things that Tomlin and Feetner seem to pretend that Connor can do with all this ridiculous sideways stuff, McFarland actually can do. Might he make a rookie mistake or two? Yeah. Is he going to be as good as Connor at picking up the blitz? Probably not, which probably should be another of those things that I mentioned that keep him and Snell off the field because all it takes is one really, really bad hit on your quarterback and your season's over. But teach him how to block. You've had months now. Show him how to pick up a blitz. Tell him the first time he doesn't pick up a blitz, he's never never going in the huddle again. But utilize him. Find a way to use game-breaking speed. Do you know how long it's been since the Pittsburgh Steelers have had a running back who can take it to the house? Do we really have to go all the way back to Willie Parker? If you can think of someone else, I assure you I can't. They've had good, arguably great running backs in the interim, at least one great one with the peak years of Le'Veon Bell. Never take that away from him. But Lev wasn't a guy who would ever get you, you know, those, those big 70, 80 yarders or whatever. Fast Willie, he got one great pull block from Alan Fanica, and the Steelers were champions 75 yards later. That's a nice weapon to have. That's a nice thing to have in your backfield just to scare the other guys. No one wants to deal with that when they're scheming for your offense. Get this kid involved. If your biggest problem as a football team right now, the number one thing that has you concerned as it relates to, all right, well, we're 9-0, and but what's it take to be a Super Bowl contender? Is your running game? Then go for ceiling. Chase ceiling. You know exactly who and what James Conner is. And I say that respectfully. I say that including all of his positive traits. You know who and what he is. You probably have a pretty good idea of who and what Benny Snell is. You don't know anything about Anthony McFarland. Other than what he's shown you, which has been scintillating at times. Get him out there. Let him play. Use him in particular in a game like this against Jacksonville, a team that really you should beat anyway. And on top of that, a team where you should be afforded the opportunity to try other things along the way. Thanks so much for listening today. This one was especially fun, I have to say.
your front door, your car, your gym locker, your bike, your computer, your window, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home, car, and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you own a firearm, it's your responsibility to store it safely when it's not in use. Choose a system that works for you. Cable locks, lock boxes, and gun safes are some of the most effective ways to protect your family and keep firearms secured. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure and find out how to get a free firearm safety kit. Visit projectchildsafe.org. That's projectchildsafe.org. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance.